This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, I'm Brian Hyatt, and this is Rolling Stone Music Now. So following a trial that saw Ed Sheeran sing and play guitar from the witness stand, a federal jury in New York ruled Thursday, May 4th, that Ed did not infringe the copyright of Marvin Gaye's Let's Get It On with his own song, Thinking Out Loud, which he co-wrote with Amy Wadge, though she wasn't named in the suit. Here's some of what Ed had to say to the press after the verdict. I'm obviously very happy with the outcome of the case, and it looks like I'm not having to retire from my day job after all. But at the same time, I'm unbelievably frustrated that baseless claims like this are allowed to go to court at all. We've spent the last eight years talking about two songs with dramatically different lyrics, melodies, and four chords which are also different and used by songwriters every day all over the world. These chords are common building blocks which were used to create music long before Let's Get It On was written and will be used to make music long after we are all gone. They are in a songwriter's alphabet, our toolkit, and should be there for all of us to use. No one owns them, all the, all the way they are played, in the same way that nobody owns the color blue. Unfortunately, unfounded claims like this are being fueled by individuals who are offered as music experts in musical analysis. In this instant, the other side's musicologists left out words and notes, presented simple and different pitches as melody, and by doing so, created what I think we proved for all to see were misleading comparisons and disinformation to find supposed similarities where none exist. And I think we proved for all to see that they tried to manipulate my, my and Amy's song to try and convince the jury that they had a genuine claim. I'm very grateful that the jury saw through the, those attempts. This seems so dangerous to me, both potential claimants who may be convinced to bring a bogus claim, as well as those songwriters facing them. It's simply wrong. By stopping this practice, we can also properly support genuine music copyright claims so legitimate claims are rightly heard and resolved. If the jury had decided this matter the other way, we might as well say goodbye to the creative freedom of songwriters. Amy and I work hard to independently create songs which are often based around real life personal experience. It's devastating to be accused of stealing someone else's song when we've put so much work into our livelihoods. I'm just a guy with a guitar who loves writing music for people to enjoy. I am not and will never allow myself to be a piggy bank for anyone to shake. Having to be in New York for this trial has meant that I've missed being with my family at my grandmother's funeral in Ireland and I will never get that time back. These trials take a significant toll on everyone involved. I want to thank the jury for making the decision that will help protect the creative process of songwriters here in the United States and all around the world. I also want to thank my team, these guys, who've supported me throughout this difficult process and to all the songwriters, musicians and fans who've reached out with messages of support over the last few weeks. And finally, I would like to thank Amy. Neither of us ever expected that nine years ago, from our wonderful writing session, that we will be here having to defend our integrity. integrity. We need songwriters and the wider community to come together and bring back common sense. These claims need to be stopped so the creative process can carry on and we can all go back to making music. Just about everyone who actually knows how music and songwriting work was completely horrified by this case, which could have restrained songwriters' creativity basically forever. To explain just how close we came to a truly disastrous verdict, 
we assembled a panel of hit songwriters for today's episode. We have Jenna Andrews, who co-wrote BTS's Butter, co-wrote another BTS hit with Ed Sheeran, Permission to Dance, and was the vocal producer on Dynamite as well. She's also worked with Noah Cyrus, Lil Nas X, and Jennifer Lopez, among others. Then we have Jamie Hartman, who's worked with the Backstreet Boys, Louis Capaldi, Jennifer Hudson, Calvin Harris, and more, and also is working on a mysterious-sounding project to protect intellectual property rights across fields, and hopefully we'll hear more about that soon. You'll recognize him in this conversation as the only one with a British accent. And finally, we have Jay Hart, who's worked with Justin Bieber, Camila Cabello, Monoskin, Usher, and more, and is working on his own music right now, as well as Usher's upcoming new album and a song for the next Fast and Furious movie. So welcome, everybody. And I'll, I'll start by saying it seems like all three of you agree that this verdict is a tremendous relief, that we narrowly averted a disaster here. If this case had turned out differently, it would have completely changed the landscape again, because this has happened before. And I think that there's the feeling of fear amongst the community already, given the history of these cases and the increasing number of them. But I'm glad that this time the result was in his favor, in Ed's favor. There's only so many chords that you can use. To me, as a songwriter, a lot of times, like when you're doing that, it's so unintentional. It's a feel that you have, and it could have just been a moment where they're just vibing out, found the feel. And it was when I know they brought up the performance that he had done a mashup, but that happens so often. He may have just done it and been like, oh, hey, it, it feels good, but it was never an actual intention in going into it. And that happens all the time in the writing room. Don't you think, Jamie? I do. There are, as you say, exactly that. There are only a certain amount of chords. But bear in mind that we're only talking, we're not talking about, think of it from the natural evolution point of view, right? Human beings respond to new, to evolution. They respond to new original thoughts, ideas. Even kids who don't know songs from many generations ago understand and pick up on new ideas. They really do. It's amazing whether they've heard other ideas or not. They know whether something is a new thought. And Ed and Amy, in this scenario, had a new thought over a traditional arrangement. Let's get it on. That progression was from somewhere else anyway, which is what they argued. I think Ed's main right. plot is. So coming up with an original lyric and an original melody is new. That's the brief. That's what you have to do daily as a professional writer, right? And as a professional creative, you need to create something new. And of course, you're going to use traditional paths to get there. A lot of the formula in, in terms of writing a hit song is something new and something old. A lot of times, obviously, interpolations are a different thing where that's actually intentional. But this, exactly. there's something to be said about taking a nostalgic thing that's not actually copying if that yeah. makes sense. It just brings up some sort of nostalgic memory in people that is attractive and it makes them be like, oh, this is familiar somehow, but it's not actually infringing on someone else's idea. I mean, if that makes sense. Rob Thomas and Santana Smooth is based on the most traditional Latin form there is. And it absolutely, that standard Latin writing form when it comes to the pop records that you hear. In fact, the vast majority of original Latin radio records are written over an incredibly similar structure. The same goes for blues records, the same. It's all a basis on which to build and create something new. It's similar to the infamous Blurred Lines case, but also uh -huh. different. One of the differences is they tried to basically claim that a chord progression was infringable uh, and the fact that it changed chords 
right before each bar of the song. It didn't change on the one, it changed right before the one of the next bar, and that that was the, quote, harmonic rhythm, and that was infringible. I mean, it's an incredibly common chord progression. It's the one, minor three, four, five. in the key of C, that would be a C, E minor, F, G. And even if Thinking Out Loud had exactly the same chord progression, so do a million other songs as they demonstrate in the trial. However, they don't. When your legs don't work like they used to before And I can't sweep you off of your feet Thinking Out Loud actually goes, uh, it's the one chord and then it's the one chord again, except with the third of the scale in the bass. It's not the three minor chord. And then the four and the five. So it's actually slightly different. But even if they'd been identical, so are a million other songs. Yeah, these sorts of things are very basic building blocks of songwriting that people have used and will use again and again and again. And I think the larger part of the discussion is that there's only 12 notes and everything ha has been used at some point or another. So on some level, most things are, everything is derivative. But yeah, this specifically, it's just, it's scary because when it goes to jury, there are these paid musicologists and things on either side that obviously slant their opinion. And if you were not in the business or have any sort of knowledge about music, you might see the testimony as convincing enough to be like, oh, well, they do sound the same. But, and that's the scary thing because it almost feels like the justice system isn't set up fairly in these sorts of cases where someone who's an expert would be like, this chord progression has been used in at least a hundred songs over the last, whatever, 40 years more, obviously. It's a scary, it's a scary thing to watch go down and just hope that the defense words things eloquently and, and passionately enough to convince the jury of the truth of the matter. A lot of the writing these days, particularly by the very best in the world, is intention. It is Bam. that structure works. That structure is hit writing structure. I'm going to use that structure and write something new over it. Forgive me for saying it, and I don't want to name the names because obviously I'll never work in this town again, but the <laughs> biggest writers in the world intentionally use chord structures that have worked before to create new hit records all the time. You said it, not me. <laughs> it's true though, right? It's no. Okay, you don't. I know you don't want to say it, but or, um, but when I'm not talking, I'm not even pointing at one particular person. I'm saying because music, the formula for actually winning something, is so ethereal. What's new is what you put over the top of the formula that makes yeah. it new. And the same goes for humanity. It goes for any evolution. That's why I was talking about at the beginning. What is new in each of us? Each of us is an experiment in, in, in a very tried and tested formula, but something new. That's why we are the way we are, is to see how we survive and we exist and whether we succeed. And that is what human beings and everything that is, evolves is. It's a tried and tested formula, which is one or two elements changed in order to see how that works and whether it's new and what it does. A hundred percent. And a lot of these things are circular, tastes and things like that. There's been eras of similar styles over the years that have happened again and again. And a lot of artists get their start by paying homage to an earlier artist stylistically and getting their blessings. The whole thing just feels very silly to me in terms of being able to use vibe or, or groove as a means to sue somebody. 
yeah, you can definitely feel the after effects of the blurred lines case in the air. I think that people reference it all the time. And yeah, it's still there. Are you going to sue the Rolling Stones for making a samba out of um, Sympathy for the Devil? It was... You're going to sue Elvis Presley for writing Barts and Nova. I'm sorry, I'm going super way back. But structure and form is just the basic building blocks of what it's like saying you're not allowed to use a pencil to create a piece of art. Jamie, that and actually going to your point now, now that you brought it up about intentionally listening to songs for feel like that is a real thing too like you know when you start a session you'd be like what are you listening to cool let's play like your four of your favorite songs and then it's not like you're like cool let's do this exact same thing but to jamie's point whatever that song makes you feel like you're trying to accomplish in whatever you're trying to make but again that's not stealing though but dance music sorry but my yeah. four to, is four to the floor and tr- a stealable structure <laughs> or a copyrightable structure Exactly. You can't really say that. And I think you're trying to accomplish, which is why it is tricky, because, again, going back to the fact that it is feel based, what the argument is, but essentially, like, how many feels are there? Like, you're trying to capture a feeling to make people feel like it's familiar. That's what it is. The infamous Blurred Lines lawsuit, which was the Marvin Gaye estate, and which the people who worked on that song appealed Almost as far as they could, they didn't actually take it to the Supreme Court and they let the Supreme Court deadline pass. The issue was apparently it was very unlikely that the Supreme Court was going to take it. That is now a standing precedent that feel can be copyrighted, essentially. It continues to be an incredibly controversial lawsuit among even lawyers, among musicologists, among musicians and songwriters, because that was even more ephemeral than what they're claiming in this. It was just the groove. But it feels like that aside, it does feel like this lawsuit wouldn't have happened if not for that lawsuit's success. It does feel like that created a sort of gold rush to sue people. And when you listen to Let's Get It On, and then you listen to Thinking Out Loud as a creative, right? And I, we all get it straight away. We all get that. We get the overall, okay, so there's a feel. There's a dum, 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 dum. That isn't proprietary in any way, right? At all. No, no. So that's one thing. And I'm, what I'm just what I'm trying to say is, the lyric, the melody are entirely different. They're entirely different. It's a totally different thought. It's great. It's a beautiful new thing. That's. But I could, the writers we're talking about, me, everybody I know has created <laughs> you over something. I recognize the feel for those things instantly. And we all do. And it's that thing every day. What the difference is when someone takes offense to, or they take a particular position, it's business at the end of the day, it's business. And this is business and where art meets business, you're always going to have these conflicts and these issues with rights because people feel a that they have been in, they have been copied in some way and that they sometimes somehow have ownership over something and we've established what the rules are i think that's what's really important about this is when you create something new when you truly create something new that in itself has a value and the world recognizes it this was a hit record right it's a massive hit record thinking out loud and it was lauded as such because it was a brilliant new idea over an established old idea fair enough but you have to yeah. have a value and there has to be a line between, talking about blurred lines, between what is original and what you can build on. And if the building blocks remain universal, you can build originality from the universal. 
And I think that's really what this has established. To me, the difference in it is like there's certain songs that have that feel, but there's also like a hook built into the actual feeling of it. Does that make sense? Like we were listening to a couple songs last night, like an ACDC one or something that was like that. Yes, when you're playing the feel within the chords is like a hook melody, in which case if you were to steal, that's a whole different thing. Right. Because that's if you were to go play that people immediately would be like, oh, my God. Whereas the Ed Sheeran song, I don't know that they would check into, oh, that's the Marvin Gaye song. Like, they would just be like, oh, this feels good. I like this thing. But they're not going to be able to identify but isn't that interesting? You, but that's interesting. Yeah. What, where's the line between chords and melody playing an instrument? Like, exactly. a bass line that goes... Right, right. And then doom, do, 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 right? The do, do, do. hundred percent. Is that IP? Is that copyright? It must be somehow. That's what I think. I think if you include the melodic hook within the feeling, then there, there's a very clear argument there. Because then that's, yeah, that's right on the line with dum 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 dum. So if it's the bass, I, I don't know. The, the reason we have interpolation is so that people can go, I love that. I'm going to use exactly. it. Use it, and that's fessing up to what you're influenced by, what you're inspired by, and saying, "Here's this." I'm going to, and I love hip hop for that reason, and why I think hip hop still and hip hop artists are, for me, pushing the boundaries so much. These still, and I love the inspiration behind what's going on there because I still feel like it's just like honoring the past and finding a new way to express on the top of that. I think the, the, it's pre, we're in a pretty healthy place from having had, having all this discussion about it, but they've got to establish the ground rules, and this is one of the ways that they do that, I think. Jenna, you are in rooms where you're writing with some very big artists, and you've been doing that for some time. What have you seen as far as a chilling effect, if any, after that Blurred Lines case? Because, again, before that... There weren't lawsuits based on, there were no successful lawsuits based on a feel, a vibe, a groove that just wasn't considered copyrighted before that. It changed things, but did it change things in the actual writing of trying to write hit song? That's an interesting question. Okay, in my experience, I find that the artist is a lot more sensitive and nervous about it than the songwriter and the producer. Because I think as a songwriter producer, you feel comfort in what me and Jamie are talking about. Because there's one thing to set out and be like, we're interpolating this. We're going to go see if we can obviously clear this and all these things. And that's a, that's a real thing. Whereas when you're walking that gray line and you're getting influence from a song, it's still, to Jamie's point, that's not necessarily infringing on someone's idea. It's just encapsulating a, a feeling into your new idea. So I think as a songwriter, there's not as much like, nerves in that I think you have confidence going in thinking okay we can do this whereas the artist I do find gets nervous a lot sure. then artist if they hear like the most little inkling part like this reminds me they're like no we can't do it because I think they the scrutinizing that they would receive is actually more a lot more than we would receive point being, judged, yeah. point being look at Ed you know what I'm saying but as opposed to Amy in this situation even though she wasn't named in the lawsuit, but like he's feeling all the pressure because he's an artist. Do you know what I'm saying? So he has to think about that very, a lot more deeply than I think we would. I have a couple colleagues who have been to court and one of them specifically is really, it's affected them and they're really scared in rooms and it feels triggering where they're like, is that something? 
And it's just stifling for people. I've seen how it affects people, obviously financially as well, but just being able to be free and be creative. Ed's a very interesting one for me because obviously like he is in a, obviously one of the biggest artists of our generation, but also one of the biggest songwriters of our generation. So I think in terms of his legacy, I would think that would damage his own authentic like being of what he does, like more than a, a cash figure, if I were to guess, you know what I'm saying? Because he's such an incredible songwriter and known for that. It, to be known from the public eye that he could have infringed on someone else's idea could possibly make him feel a certain type of way. He understands what it's like to be a working songwriter and an artist who also writes his own songs. He has been in the community and, and knows a lot of songwriters and knows people that their their entire life blood and life work is just songwriting. I just did his cover story for Rolling Stone and he, this was before this case went to trial, but the last one, he phrased as he's I'm in court every day being called a liar and a thief. And it really, he does not like it. He doesn't take this. Yeah. It's not, you're absolutely right. Part of it from a legal standpoint is, geez, if I settle this, A, I don't think I'm culpable, so I don't want to settle it. And B, if I do settle it, then I'm just giving an open door for every nephew of a dead artist to come and sue <laughs> yeah. me for every use of a C sharp. But it's not just that. It, the reason he fights these is because it's goes to his sense of honor. But you made a good point about interpolation, which is, I think the post-blurred lines, the definition of what is an interpolation has broadened. I mean, people wonder why so many songs have 20 credits or whatever. And one of the reasons is because people are crediting interpolated bits in ways that they wouldn't have before blurred lines. I feel like interpolations are probably a bigger thing now just because, I don't know, music's so oversaturated now. And I think it's such an easy, like, we got to hit. It's, I, and not to say it's lazy, but I just do think the familiarity aspect, and blatant, by the way, I'm not talking about the other thing. I'm saying blatant interpolation is just something that's so immediate and so commercially viable off jump if you can get all the other things to work. But yeah, I think it, it just, if you get the right one, again, that's a whole nother thing because you can't just say, hey, because we're copying this means that it's going to go. It's like, you know, you still have to get the right combination of events to make the magic sauce. But I do think there's a great starting point there if you get the right interesting interpolation. It's also an age thing. I'm older and I've chilled out a little bit about it because when you have a hit, someone calls up and says, that's from this, that was taken from this. And Jenna, you know this, there's everyone, people jump out of the woodwork. As soon as anything really happens and becomes big, it's a, somebody somewhere is going to claim it. And then it's going to happen and it's going to happen again. And you just get used, and it's a pretty rough ride when you're going through it. And I've been through those situations. I know friends, yeah. all of my friends, anybody in the game has, and they have scenarios where the expression, get a hit, get a writ is one of the oldest ones in the game. Of course, people, feel like that they possess something that you have taken from them and you may have never heard that song in your life the other thing i know and jen knows this for sure and that's something that i've figured out since moving to los angeles is some of it is in the ether i know friends of mine and i have been in situations where the same week in three different writing rooms in la people have written the same title totally unrelated at the same time They've come up with similar thoughts and ideas because it's up there and you're drawing from somewhere. And 100%. I'm not, I'm not, I, it's happened five or six times. The higher up you get in the game and how the long, the, forgive me for saying it, but we've both reached a point where we've had success and we've had careers where we've had <laughs> hit records. You genuinely understand and realize that you are drawing from somewhere. 
And that, the closer you get to it and the more often you get to actually draw from somewhere, those things are out there. Ideas are out there and people do come up with them at similar times. And people can go, hang on a minute, how on earth did that happen in two different... And I really mean that. It's not just woo-woo. It genuinely comes from somewhere. So there is that to consider as well. Wait, I love that you just mentioned that because I'm all about that. Like it's, and it, it does oftentimes seem esoteric to people, but it's a real thing because it's, it's almost, have you seen that movie? What's the movie? I forget. It's a cartoon and it's basically about like where people go to the zone. It's, you could either, you could sometimes go die and you get reached that same place, but creative people reach a zone where it's almost like you leave. Yeah, soul. Exactly. Yeah, And you leave your body and all of a sudden connected to a different like thing. It's a very real thing. That's going to the center of what is new and original. That's why I'm saying and people who do it consistently like Ed do that he genuinely has hit more hits than anybody else out there. And so what you're we're asking him to do by examining this process is saying you're cheating, you're lying, you're not being honest about what you do. Mm. And actually, I think you'd find that he's one of the purest connectors to all of that that there is out there. Oh. You share credit on permission to dance. Were you in a room with him for that? No. So actually, he so he wrote obviously the original with Steve Mack, and he he couldn't, or he basically I think I can't remember exactly what it was. I don't know if he just it was a time thing, or he just couldn't figure out exactly what to do in terms of having it be BTS's voice. But he was gracious and really just because obviously I had done butter and then was involved with vocal producing dynamite i was really close to them so he was like i feel like you really understand them which speaks to his authenticity by the way because this is his art and the fact that he was like hey this is what i have and allowed me to rewrite his lyrics which we all know how incredible of a lyricist he is so the fact that he trusted me with that was amazing and it was very collaborative he he came back he was like i love this maybe change this line and then basically ended up with the final and i think he might have mentioned that i don't remember but either i know we had some kind of party after the vmas one year and he i think it's either his third or fourth number one ever which i was like that's pretty cool i love i mean to share that with him because he's so amazing he writes very quickly so it it does seem like his antenna is more open than other people to the ether for sure if you ask Ian Steve Mack about that day that Ed walked in, he says it's one of the greatest days of his life. <laughs> yeah. He said to seeing the guy do, and he wrote three hits in one day as well. He didn't just write The Shape of You. He wrote three hits in one day that day with, with his collaborators. So he's obviously a channel. And they call them, you talk to Carol yeah. King. She's a channel. She understands what her role is in the process. It's to he's, bring, he's a clairvoyant or whatever. Let's bring something in and be, a, be available for it to come through and play it and sing it. And that kind of begs the question, what do we own and what do we not own? And what can we lay claim to? It's really, truly important in, in today's society and to, with all the threats we've now literally just had in the last two weeks and the ongoing threat of AI making things more blurred than they are, forgive the pun. But I think the protection of creativity and the creative process and the role of human beings in the creative process will become more and more relevant and important as computers take over doing everything else. What else is there to contribute other than the evolution of the idea and the new way, the new spins on things? It's truly what human beings can now usefully contribute going forward. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. 
With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Macy's, Adidas, Walmart, Nike, Wine.com, Samsung, Lenovo, Sephora, and more and even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use, and you get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply bring us back full circle to thinking out loud if he had been ruled to have infringed on let's get it on it's i can't even imagine how that would have affected things going forward as far as writing songs yeah i mean i've we've obviously seen in the past few years since the blurred lines case like now there is songwriter insurance that you can purchase to help aid in these sort of situations and a lot of my colleagues have songwriter insurance i haven't done it yet I've been advised to do it a couple times and I just, I'm so conflicted about it because I just find it so ludicrous that we would have to have insurance for these types of things because I don't walk into rooms and say, what can I pull, what can we take from today? I think it's always about coming up with new things that also feel familiar and that feel inspired. I don't know, for me, I've been fighting it, but I probably will end up getting it to be honest. But yeah, it would have gotten even more scary in the landscape. And I think that people like myself, creatives, artists, we want to be free to create. And so much about great art is the idea that you don't have to be put in a box or confined by rules and things like that. So um, we're always fighting against the art versus commerce sort of thing as it is already. And so to make it more difficult for people to create freely... Uh, it's just a scary thing. Yeah, no, I was going to say, look, it's not, it's not melody or lyric. And that, for me, is the basic principle behind this. When you look at what happened with Stay With Me, with Sam, right, and Jimmy Napes, that was... The same melody over the same chords. 
That's won't back down, well, I won't back. That's the melody. You've taken the melody and you have, which is why they instantly gave 25% to Tom Petty. And Tom's like, thank you, man. I didn't even need it, but thank you. And I told probably stole that from somebody else, but okay. And he didn't go for what, in old school, they would have gone for 90%. A lot of artists would have said, no, you're going to give me all of that, which was the old school approach. So I actually think we've come quite far to the middle now, as far as Tom Petty's like, yeah, fair enough. But to just make me another writer on the song. You've done something new with it there, but this is not that. And that's the difference. The distinction is these are just chords. And yes, it's a feel, but it's chords. They're not, there's, it's not the same lyric. It's not the same melody. It's not the same intonation of the melody either. Yeah. Again, it's so hard to, to convey to people who can't play a little. I'm definitely not a professional musician, but I understand chord progressions. The fact that a one to the minor third to a four to a five, the idea that there's anything distinct or copyrightable or infringe about that is it, even with played with in a certain rhythm with a certain feel is just so destructive. I wrote a song two and a half, three years ago, four years ago over a piano riff. The piano riff is dun 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 The melody over the top of it and the lyric is absolutely totally different. But someone said to me, Oh, that feel that reminds me of something. And it was a Nina Simone record. And I was like, Really? Okay, fair enough. And then I had somebody else said it. And I was like, Okay, I've got to look at this. In the end, I took it to the musicologist who did blurred lines, and I sent him the thing and I said, he said, Jamie, if you're asking me if it's the same, because her one goes do 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 that's all she does. Do 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 yours goes bum 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 They're totally different. However, are they in a minor key? Are they on a piano? Is it a a soulful singer singing over that? Yes. So at the time, he was like, if I were you, I would go and approach the Nina Simone estate and talk about it with them before you, do the, before you put the record out, which is what I did. So in advance of it, like Tom Petty, I went to them with my co-writer and we said, we have been told that this has a familiar vibe to what it is. Not the same song. It's not the same. We're not interpolating. It's not the same lyric. It's not the same melody. However, people said it is reminiscent in some way. Instantly, we got an uh, email back. We 50% thank you. And we said no. It's not, we're not talking about that. We are not interpolating the song. We are not, we're not infringing the song. We are not using the lyric and we're not using the melody. 15% is appropriate. And they went, cool, done. <laughs> so, but definitely the rules have changed. There's a Bruce Springsteen song called Badlands. And the, the riff, Bruce has said that he took it from the animal's version, took it or was inspired by the animal's version of Don't Let Me Be Misunderstood. Which oh, yeah. Then it turns out that they took their riff from Nina Simone's version of that song. So essentially, by the current rules, Bruce would have had to give some money to Nina Simone. No one ever would have thought about that in 1978. The rules right. have changed. But also, Ed's just got off because part the main part of the defense was the guys who wrote Let's Get It On took it from an, that wasn't an original feel. Can you recall times when songs got sort of halted in their birth because someone was like, this is, this is too close. It's a good song and it's actually, in our opinion, kind of original, but it's not going to be worth the trouble? Yes. Wow. Oh, like all the time. Oh. And, and that's the thing. That's why Jamie probably looked like, yeah. And, that's, and it's unfortunate because it's always frustrating too because like when someone's like, oh, this reminds you of something and you're like, 
And even sometimes if sometimes I'll be like, okay, yeah, but sometimes you don't, you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. And sometimes they can't even name the song that they think, but they're so nervous that they're stepping on something that they're just like, let's go to something else. And you're like, sometimes, and to Jamie's point in terms of reaching a different ether and having a connection with the universe is like, sometimes a familiar sounding song can be an original. I'm just saying, and the reason it feels so special and something you've heard before is because it's given to you in a way that it's a magic, it's lightning a bottle. It's one of those ones. But sometimes artists do fear that like, why do I recognize this? Why does it sound so, like, why is this so catchy? And you're like, maybe because we came up with something great. But no, to your question, it does happen a lot. So I see it all the time. I see people get nervous, especially those people that have been threatened with the idea of lawsuits before or been in lawsuits before because there are quite a lot of them at this point so I know people that have been in them and it's really stifling and I think you have to sort of sit there and go through it and say oh is it or is it not and it's a hard thing to figure out because at a certain point like I said there's only 12 12 notes so um Things start to sound familiar even when they're not directly copied. And that's the issue here is that familiarity, especially in the pop world, you're making pop music for the masses. Familiarity is the name of the game. Not to keep pulling from classic rock references, Jamie got me going with this line <laughs> of thinking, but, uh, you know, the first thing Paul McCartney was worried about when he wrote yesterday was, where did I steal this from? It goes directly to your point, Jen, is sometimes the reason it feels familiar is because it's magical. Yeah, a hundred percent. Exactly. And that's the thing. It's like, there's something that sometimes that does happen where it's like, you do just create something. I think Jamie was saying that you just create something so special that it's, um, it seems like it was, maybe it was something, you know, before, but not in our, you know, our planet. <laughs> maybe it needed to go to court to, as much as it was un unpleasant for Ed Sheeran, I guess the argument was it needed to go to court to show that this kind of thing is not infringible. And then it, now at least we have that precedent. I guess that's one way to look at it. I, for one, I'm glad that someone as outspoken and as eloquent as Ed was presented with this, let's call it an opportunity. We're being very optimistic when we call it that. But I'm just happy it was him because he cares about songwriting. He cares about songwriters. And he's well-spoken enough to state his case and why, why it should be this way. So I'm grateful that it was him. But yeah, it shouldn't have gone to court is the reality. But I'm glad that it did and set a precedent. But then again, it's, it's only a matter of time until the next one. It seems like they're increasing in frequency. So... We will see. Jen, as long as I have you, I feel like the BTS fans would be disappointed if I didn't ask you just a little bit about your time working with them. You worked on these, their biggest US hits and that incredible little run with Dynamite and Butter. What did you learn about the way they work and what can be applied to the US pop is one thing that, that I'm curious about. I do think that the way that we did it was all over WhatsApp, which I think was really interesting and also really productive in a weird way, because I think there was hundreds of voice notes going back and forth in terms of essentially it'd be like if I was here being like, Jamie, if you're if, like sing this way, push it, you're, you're a little late or obviously smile on that or sharp, like all those things. But that we that was all conveyed over voice notes. So it was like, and what's so cool is they were very receptive to it and, and didn't really fight back a lot unless it came to obviously like lyrical choices in the actual songwriting. But when it came to like producing their vocals, they're really cool. And they, 
it was interesting too to be able to come up with all the like harmony arrangements and, and and be able to send to them and have them either say we love this or can we add this or can we do that so it still felt very much collaborative in a way that we weren't able to ever actually meet in person or have be in the room together so i thought that was amazing uh, really cool yeah so yeah so i did the vocal production for dynamite and then the savage love remix and then yeah i wrote butter and permission so i've done like four it's been cool and then actually there's another one that hasn't come out yet but was announced that is a song with pharrell that's gonna come out soon rm and pharrell did this a cover for us last year a joint interview and that was actually where that came out pharrell's been sitting on that for a while he needs to I, I know well, we just got to vocal produce it but but it's still it was a, it's a pretty amazing it's just to me i don't know how you feel jamie but vocal production is to me it's so fun and i, I uh, sometimes like it as much if not more than songwriting in a weird way because it's like crap it's like such so artful right it's like cooking it's like you get to throw so many different colors of paint against the wall and it's I, I don't know I some days I sit there and I'm like oh is this my favorite I just love it so that, it, that's part of the art do you know what yeah. I mean that's using the song and elevating a song with production is just unbelievable so wonderful. it's one of my favorite things is vocal production because that's well, really yeah talking about selling a feeling that's it I need to hear your teeth coming through a bit I need to hear it up in here rather than down in your chest honestly what you're doing is specifying how to maximize the feeling that people are getting and the melodies you've created. And that is everything. What I was going to say too, is what I found so interesting is like, for me, I'm a very like planful ad lib writer. So like, you know, you look at a song and you're not just, okay, run me three ad libs from the top and I'll pick. Like a lot of times I'll be like, okay, listen to the song and feel like what it's missing in it in its mm. flow, because not dissimilar to production. I need a snare here. I need a Tom here. I need a kick. It's like, only because it's like you feel like there might be like a jarring part that's not moving the dynamic of a song. So in that space, you're like, okay, this is what it needs. And here's the ad lib. So I plan all of them and they become an essential part of what's memorable about a song. It right. becomes catchy and it becomes something that right. people sing along to. But then sometimes you're like, damn, did I just kick myself to the curb in the songwriting front? A song is a song, but a hit record is a hit record. And there are two, they're two totally di different things. A song can be interpreted and reproduced in a bunch of different ways, and it can be a hit song and it can be a copyright. But the way of, this is why we get into gray area, because a record and the way it sounds can, can help or elevate the way it feels. So, yes, I understand why people make a fuss of thinking what, that there is a value in that. I understand that. But in a world where the playing field is so huge these days everybody has a computer set up right everybody has the software at home everybody has spliced a billion free samples where do you draw the line and i think that's what we're just seeing at the moment as they're trying to draw a line and i think they found a sensible solution in my eyes at least in this case and that's our show we'll be back next week in the meantime subscribe to rolling stone music now wherever you get your podcasts and please leave us five stars and a nice review on apple podcasts and spotify because that's always appreciated but as always thanks for listening and we will see you next week
Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was the three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.